happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who. In light, light 'em up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. Good afternoon. I'm your host, Dina Serrano, with Jim Bennett at the controls. Jim will be joining me later in offering you a very special premium this afternoon. Well, when you hear that music, you probably think you're going to be hearing Jennifer Stone, but I'm taking her place today. Today's cover-to-cover guest is author William Poy Lee. His book is called *The Eighth Promise*. It is a memoir that quote. Uniquely and originally offers insight into the universal themes of a San Francisco Chinatown-born son relationship with his Chinese rural village-born mother. Chinatown, language, food, and immigration are the setting themes and characters. This memoir is also the telling story of the relationship of two brothers that gives great insight into the San Francisco scene in the 1960s and 70s, especially in the Chinatown community. The Eighth Promise reads like a novel, and is probably why it is endorsed by Alice Walker, who says, quote, "The Eighth Promise poses the questions that are eternal." Who are we, having left the land of our ancestors and settled among others similarly displaced? How do we find home in the present when the past meant a thousand years in the same place? Unquote. In this unusual and wise, insightful and healing memoir, William Poy Lee explores territory that reflects and intrigues us all. And Gloria Steinem said of the Eighth Promise, quote, "One of the few books that completely conveys a life as lived from the inside, and makes us readers feel as if we're living it too." Unquote. I found one of the major elements of the book was the author's mother tongue, that is, his mother's village dialect, Taiwanese. It runs throughout the book. This Friday night, William Poy Lee and his percussionist friend Leighton Dong take this theme to a new level at the Oakland Museum in the James Moore Theater in an exploration of the musicality and rhythms of Taiwanese dialect of the Pearl River Delta in China. And we have them in the studio live: the author William Poy Lee. And the percussionist Leighton Dong. It's great to be here, Nina. Welcome, William, and welcome to you, Leighton. Thank you, Nina. Glad to be here. Well, I'm very excited that you're both here. 
Uh, William, can you tell us a little bit about the language, the theme of the language in your book? Yes, uh, Toisanese is a rustic uh, dialect of uh, Cantonese, as many KPFA listeners uh, know. Mandarin is the official dialect of China, and Cantonese is that spoken by people in Hong Kong and in the South. Uh, Mandarin speakers look down on Cantonese speakers as not being entirely Chinese. And similarly, Cantonese speakers look down on Toisanese speakers as being country and unsophisticated and backwards. And yet we were the ones that came to America in the 1850s and we uh, drained the the Sacramento Delta because we knew how to do that and created 500 million acres of farmland. We blasted through the Sierra to connect the uh, Intercontinental Railway. And we also just developed industry fishing up and down, and we did all the work of harvesting uh, fruits and and very similar to what the Mexican migrant workers are going through. And, uh, and so despite all of that, we had the characteristics to stick it out and make something and preserve the Chinatowns despite great racist pressures. And so when I looked at my language, I said, well, how can the people who can do all that have a language that sounds so harsh and is looked down upon. And that's when I really thought about the language. And in my book, I describe um, how it's based in the earth, how it's a very practical, functional language, how it's uh, the sounds and the intonations are affected by the seasons. And then when I realized that, I said, well, that makes it a beautiful language because it's an authentic language. But how do I convince people of it? And an idea came to me. There's rhythm in this language. There's a lot of ano, mono, poetic sounds and words in this language. There's tonality. And that's when I thought maybe if I could work with a drummer, I could prove that. And that's how I hooked up with Leighton over there. You know, I, I noticed that in your book. Uh, this discussion about the language, and one thing you said about it was that it was a language that of of people who worked in the fields. And yes. So it was a shouted language. It was a shouted language, and that's why I think um, a lot of times you see Chinese people speaking like their normal diesel is a shout. It's from that tradition. We didn't have microphones. We didn't have you know loudspeakers. It was just. You had to get that message across. It had to go over fields, around trees, through a flock of geese, and be heard. So that's how that language developed. Well, that must have influenced your work, Leighton, in translating this into music. Tell me about that, how you got involved, and what was the inspiration, and what were the challenges? Well, after reading William's book, I found that I agreed with him that the Toisanese is not uh, is kind of evaporating from our cultures and and to bring it back my father is from toysan and listening to it it uh you know it's a, it's a language that i've really kind of forgotten about because we didn't want to speak it in chinese school anymore and putting rhythms and language kind of dissects the language and brings it it opens it up and explains the sounds are much clearly heard and felt yet yeah, one of the um aspects I found out about the language in interviewing my mother is there's a lot of, um, if you will, soundtrack, there's a lot of onomatopoeia. For example, the word that we use for uh, gossip is ji-ji-ja-ja, and I'm going to see and ask Leighton if he can kind of replicate that on one of his percussion instruments. (coughs) 
So exactly. So that so we took what chickens say, which is ji ji ja ja, and we use that to mean gossip or idle talk. Can you tell us what you're using there, Leighton? This is a bamboo wood clapper. It's made from bamboo. It's the half round pieces of bamboo. It's about six inches long, about two inches wide. This was purchased by one of my drummers when he was in Peking. There was a man standing on a street displaying this, selling a DVD, and this is also used in Peking opera, but in Peking opera, they also use a wooden piece. I see. But this one's made out of bamboo. Yeah, and I noticed you, um, another instrument you brought was a cymbal, and I'm going to ask you what's that, what can that replicate for us? Uh, well, the cymbals usually are, are used familiar to the people hearing a loud crashing sound, so let me just demonstrate that. When we're doing it with the language, me and William discovered we try to use the subtleties of the same instrument. And it's, it's very. So, like when we said. Like, all nail, which is a word which. All nail is one of the words we use, and we're trying to, I'm trying to replicate it with the symbol of this one. And maybe just to give another example, like when we did cable car, can you do that? And then I'll explain what, how we came up the word for cable car. And w what is that you're using there? Uh, this is a gong that's made of uh, brass. It's about, uh, it's quite a heavy one. It's about a uh, quarter inch thick. I say about six, seven pounds. Nina, do you recognize that sound? It's a San Francisco sound. Oh, yes. It's, it's in my uh, Chicken Made of Rags DVD before <laughs> the cable car song. Yes. Well, that's what we call cable cars in Toysanese. Dang, dang, chair. The, the car that makes the dang, dang sound. So, so this is what I was trying to show about the language, how there's a lot of onomano, poetic sounds. There's a lot of rhythm and there's a lot of tonality. And all you have is a taste of it. We even use big, uh, old-fashioned drums that uh, boom and a number of other instruments, including this frog that uh, Leighton just lifted up. And so we'll be demonstrating this and doing a performance reading with a voice chorale this coming Friday at the Oakland Museum at 7.30. Yeah, and it's in the theater, and I think yes. the seating starts at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock, so. starts sharply at 7.30, and then there's a um, book signing and a reception afterwards. Sounds very exciting. Can we just hear this wonderful-looking wooden frog? Uh, this wooden frog is, uh, in Chinese, we call it a mui, uh, which is a wooden fish. And this is the sound it makes. And uh, William could give us a toy theme. Oh, toy theme, which is bok, which is most of us know as bok choy, toy theme. Ah, which brings us to the theme of food, which runs all the way through your book. Right. Let's talk about that for okay. a moment. Okay. And maybe if you can do that quickly, and I will. Uh... Yeah. Toy theme. Yeah. So all night long, we'll, we have a word score and we'll Thank be doing you, stuff like that. But speaking of um, food, as you know, I talk a lot about the cheese soups that uh, my mother told me about. 
And the cheese soups are soups that are used to as medicine, really, and they're to adjust the cheese bodies of kids so that uh, they, when it goes from summer to winter, they won't catch colds as quickly, uh, and um, all kinds of diseases. And also during the postpartum period, there's a 30-day regimen where the women of the village make special soups for the new birth mother. The first week is to clean out the rest of the menses. The second week is to make sure the milk is not only nutritious but sweet so the baby will drink it. And then the third and fourth weeks are to rebuild her health, not just her physical health but also her chi energy health because they understand that after labor your auric body is tattered and your inner fires are depleted. So there's this whole regimen of 30 days uh, before she's even let out of the house where all this is repaired. I actually bought you a a little bit of a soup. This is not so much the hardcore medicinal soup. It's kind of an adaptation that we have before meals. And um, I'm just going to ask you to taste it, and oh. uh, we can talk about it a little bit if you Thank like. Thank you. Oh, this is just marvelous. It's in a wonderful little thermos, and there's a wonderful spoon, and I'm going to stir it up. Oh, I see carrots and mm-hmm. noodle and string bean, and, and right. is that almond? Yeah, there's almonds, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. I'm about to taste it. Oh. It's good. Oh, it's good. But do you but do you also uh, taste that it's uh, slightly medicinal? It's not like our American soups where everything is kind of like real sweet in a way. Well, it it does it tastes you can taste the nutrient quality. Exactly. This is what we call kind of more of our multiple vitamin soup because we didn't have multiple vitamins. Uh, but this gives you an idea of how the idea of cheese soups have entered into Chinese culture, and it's just part of our daily lives. And I think the reason that food came out so importantly in your book was because the book included, half of the book includes your mother's voice. Right. Uh, you talked about one, one, uh, one story, two voices. Can That's, you speak about that? Yes. Um, I think like a lot of Americans, I was born here, we kind of think our lives start and we're in individuals. And I c- kind of grew up that way. I went, did things my way. I went my own route you know i was good to my parents but pretty much i i pretty much followed my heart but uh one day um and especially when i interviewed my mother for background for this book mm-hmm. and then i was astounded at the things that she was telling me like about the cheese soups the clan sisterhood and the role in the village uh the things that they went through during the japanese war and the civil war and her life with my father and and also this polyamorous relationship she had with another man that my father was consenting to, I realized that not only was I just me, but I really had come from a place where in many ways my character and the way I approached life was been preformed and that this was transmitted to me by my mother. And that's when I realized she had to be a big part of the book. And then she's ended up being half of the book because every other chapter is in her voice and um she doesn't speak english so it was all interviewed in uh, toisanese and then i had to translate it and 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 translate personality and the way of speaking of toisanese into american you did a marvelous job she was so real and when the part about what you're calling the polyamorous relationship Right. which sometimes is called adultery, uh, 
I, I was so unready for that. Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I wasn't ready either. I was yeah, only eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's going on so here? This don't look like Ozzy and Harriet. <laughs> yeah, it didn't look like Ozzy and Harriet, but it it just made a lot of sense. It did, and that's part of the the the, ex, the practicality and acceptability and non judgmentalness of being twice on these, which I think is really important. Well, you did a very good job of using uh, the two voices because sometimes uh, you would tell about something. Right. And then in the next chapter, we'd hear your mother's take on it. Yes. And they were so very different. They're incredibly different. And a lot of this stuff I didn't find out until a few years ago when I started interviewing her. Interesting how you can live so close and yet have so very different misunderstandings of each other's perceptions. Well, I think mothers and sons... Uh, have a separation between them, a certain uh, the privacy rule, because there mm. there are some boundaries that you're not supposed to cross, and mm-hmm. in order to do that, you withhold parts of your personality. And I think certainly uh, the sexuality part is is one. Yes, and and another is uh, conformity. So I think. Those more non-conforming to society and private parts, both the mother and the child, keep the other one ignorant of. That's true. In fact, I took a, I talk in my book about not telling them about things that I was doing, at least not to the uh, details and, and degree of veracity that I would with, say, someone I'm very, very close to. Yeah, like, where are you going? Nowhere. What are you doing? Right. Nothing. Yeah. That whole syndrome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pretty much that. <laughs> So, what got you started writing this book? I had uh, pretty much lived um, what my father wanted me to do, which I became a lawyer ultimately, as you know, but for reasons unrelated to career choice. But it was a wonderful thing that you did, because I don't want to give it away, but uh, later in the book... Uh, when, for political reasons, you were able to do some very wonderful things because you had that training and that discipline. Yes, um, but it was my father who was the assimilationist, and uh, he actually taught me to believe in the Bill of Rights and the right to protest and demonstrate, and, and an FDR vision of government for our society. And even though he was in a union, he was stuck in a busboy job, and he suffered a lot because of the racism. He really believed in those ideals, and he imbued them in me. And perhaps that's why it wasn't surprising that I later became an activist and was involved in the first civil rights march in Grand Avenue in 68 as a 17-year-old kid, uh, which I described in my book. And um, But after I kind of did all that and uh, did the money thing and, and the uh, career thing, I kind of went, is that all there is? And I really kind of stopped. I stepped back, and I was looking for other things to do. I checked out uh, California Alliance of Family Farmers. I looked at Bioneers, and then I started writing. And it became clear to me at some point that I was supposed to write. And then this book manifested the outlines, the contours. I'm supposed to write this book. And that's when I moved into full-time writing for about three-plus years on this book. Well, that kind of craft and work in the book shows. I mean, it is your first book, and it is, yet yes. it was uh, a page turner. Oh wow! I'm yeah, so it was one of that. those books that keep you up too late at night. Ah, you know? uh, too late. <laughs> yes, way never too late. late for a good book. <laughs> <laughs> way too late. Well, now I'm going to ask uh, Jim 
Jim Bennett to enter into the discussion. Welcome, Jim. Uh, I'm here. Good, <laughs> good. Because we're about to offer people the opportunity to get this premium of The Eighth Promise by William Poi Lee for $60. There's a limited number, so you'd have to call, uh, be one of the first to call to get this. And at the same time, to promote programming like this where we can talk about the history of the San Francisco Chinatown from a very intimate point of view, where we can talk about racism in Chinatown and against the Chinese historically and the beauties of the Chinese culture and analyze language and relate it to music and uh, and not even the official language of China, but a, a village dialect, a rural village dialect, and translate it into these many percussion instruments that you heard. Well, programming like this only comes, as far as I can see, at KPFA. And you can support us with these phone calls to 510-848-5732, that's 848-5732, and the lines are open. And, Jim? That's right. We do have open lines, and we'd love to see those of you who are listening to Cover to Cover, as perhaps you do several times a week or maybe five days a week. And we'd like for you to go to your phones right now and pick up one of the limited numbers of copies of this book that we are offering, The Eighth Promise, for only a $60 pledge to KPFA. That's $5 a month over the course of a year if you'd like to break it down that way if you cannot afford all sixty dollars at once you can do that but you are sustaining kpfa you are supporting programming like this on kpfa's airwaves with your calls of support on this first day of our kpfa summer mini fun drive now this is one of the few opportunities because this fun drive is only eight days long that you'll have to support a program like cover to cover and we'd love to have some of you go to your phones right now to give us a call 1-800-439-5732-848-5732 in the 510 area code. We have just a few minutes left, and we've just received our first phone call here, and uh, that might mean that we have 19 more copies of this book, The Eighth Promise, by William Poy Lee, for a $60 pledge to KPFA, one 800 Four three nine five seven three two eight four eight five seven three two. We want to fill up these lines with your calls of support. The phone volunteers are standing by in the next room. They'd love to hear from you. They'd love to know that you believe in KPFA programming enough to keep it on the air when we ask you for the money that we need to sustain KPFA. We come to you four times a year, and this is the briefest fund drive. Wouldn't it be great if in this short period of time we could raise the money that we need? That is a lesson for all of us, that if we can do this in shorter periods of time, that uh, you have spoken. You have let us know that that's something that you want KPFA to do. Uh, Now, Anina, we're starting to get some calls, which is great. We have five people on the line right now at 1-800-439-5732. Don't forget, you can also pledge securely online at kpfa.org if you don't want to bother with a phone call, and you'll find a list of all the things that we have offered thus far on this first day of our KPFA Summer Fun Drive, 1-800-439-5732 or kpfa.org. We continue to have about five people calling in, which is great news. Uh, We want to be able to uh, uh, let William know that by the end of uh, this half hour, 
we will have uh, gotten all of the copies of the books that he has made available to us uh, to KPFA supporters. 1-800-439-5732. You're hearing a little of the Chinese music that comes from the Chinese language. I to thank that, you. There was an expression of thanks and happiness, right, Leighton? <laughs> That's right. And uh, we, we want that expression to continue uh, with your support of KPFA by giving us a call. We do have open lines. Again, we are offering you this book, The Eighth Promise, for a $60 pledge to KPFA. When we started talking to you a few minutes ago, we had 20 copies of this book. We have many less now. So if you do want this book, if you do want to keep KPFA on the air, if you want to let Nina know that you appreciate this kind of programming on Cover to Cover, we are asking you to go to your phones to give us a call right now, one 800 Four three nine five seven three two eight four eight five seven three two. We have just about four minutes left in this half hour, so it is time to call if you want to support KPFA and get a copy of this book at the same time. So if you're planning to do any summer reading on the beach, on the plane, on the train, this is the perfect book to take along. I mean, Alice Walker thought so, and Gloria Steinem thought so. And I thought so. And I think you're going to think so, too. It's the kind of book you'll pass around your circle of friends. And I bet Jennifer Stone would think the same thing, would she not? Oh, I think Jennifer would love this book. She would love this book. And and maybe you can call and subscribe and give Jennifer a copy. I do believe, will she be back next week at her regular time? Yes, I think that she will. uh, We want her to definitely know that uh, those of you who appreciate what she does Tuesday after Tuesday at 3 p.m. on Cover to Cover, uh, she would want to know that many of her supporters call today as well to pick up this fine book and to continue this wonderful programming that KPFA does Monday through Friday at 3 o'clock with Cover to Cover. Please give us a call, 1-800-439-5732-848-5732 in the 510 area code. We had a strong showing of calls there for a few minutes, but we need to continue that showing as we have just a couple minutes left in the half hour. Please give us a call, 848-5732-1-800-439-5732. In Jennifer's name, go to the phone. If you've enjoyed her Tuesday programs day after week after week, if you enjoyed her early morning commentaries week after week, and if you love literature and want to have... A place where it's discussed on a weekly basis and in depth and not just bestseller stuff, but the things that interest KPFA listeners, cutting edge, deep emotional material, ethnic material, a book like this one, The Eighth Promise by William Poy Lee, a book that deals with immigration, a book that deals with mother-son relationship, a book that deals with brother and brother relationship, a book that deals with a young man coming of age, and finally, a man who transforms himself as you will transform as you flip those pages of The Eighth Promise by William Poy Lee. So go to the phone and call 848-5732 for your copy. 848-5732 in the 510 area code. 
And we do have open lines. We'd love for you to call 1-800-439-5732-848-5732 in the 510 area code. The first day of our summer fun drive, we want to thank these people that uh, did call in. Uh, Karen uh, Shermerhorn from Rodeo, thank you very much. Jane Chan from Fairfax, thank you very much. Laura uh, from Oakland and uh, Jim Lee Plank from Sebastopol. Thank you for your calls of support right now at 1-800-439-5732. Nina, we're, we're just about out of time here, so I, I want to give you the opportunity to wrap things up there. Well, we want to thank everybody who called, and we want to thank you all for listening, and especially I want to thank author William Poi Lee and percussionist Leighton Dong, and hope that everybody has a very wonderful afternoon and you can continue to call even as our program goes off the air. Thank you. Every Friday, happy ending. 1-800-439-5732, 848-5732 in the 510 area code. Free Speech Radio News is next in just a few seconds here. from the ones who in light, light them up, boys, there's your picture, drop the shadows out of sight. What does KPFA Radio give to you? Insight into global events, info about your local community, enlightenment through music and literature, education, connection. The War and Peace Report, I'm Amy Goodman. What can you give to KPFA in return? How about a few hours in the phone room? We could use your help today in the phone room, and you could become a member of KPFA and get discounts on those great KPFA-produced premiums, like CDs, DVDs, and KPFA T-shirts. Yes, we'd give you the shirt off our backs for your help right now during the fun drive. Plus, if members of your community group, labor union, or nonprofit come as a group to answer phones, your organization will be thanked on the air. So stop by now at the station for a few hours at 1929 MLK Junior Way, near the corner of University Avenue in Berkeley, until August 8th from 6 a.m. until 11 p.m.